Welcome to the Baseball America podcast. Baseball America, bringing you baseball news you can't get anywhere else for more than 35 years. Now it's time to talk baseball. Thank you as we come back here on our continuing our, our run of the daily Baseball America podcast. We're uh, joined J.J. Cooper here with Hudson Belinsky and we're going to jump into, now that the playoffs are over, we're going to jump into the top tens and we will be the first to admit that we're skipping ahead in the line because we rolled out the White Sox top 10 today, the first of our American League Central top 10s. American League East fans, if you're a Yankees fan, a Red Sox fan, a Rays fan, we'll keep Blue Jays fan, Orioles fan, we're going to get to you. I promise we're going to get to you, but it's not going to be today. Today we're going to jump in. Hudson wrote our White Sox top 10, and we kind of felt like there was a pretty good hook for this as we kind of head into the offseason. We have free agency coming, and this is... I would not even say probably one of. I think it's easily to say this is one of the worst free agent pitching classes, especially starting pitching classes, I should say. Absolutely. Of all time. Absolutely. That being said, if there was a trade target who could change up the market as far as starting pitching, the White Sox have him in Chris Sale, who very well documented, had some run-ins with his front office last year, uh, took some scissors to some uh, uniforms, and, uh, <laughs> you know, everything was not uh, all well on the south side uh, last year. If, uh, so so Hudson, kind of as we start this, kind of, I mean, before we jump into the top 10, I'll kind of ask it to you this way. Where the White Sox are right now, where the AL Central is right now, obviously the Indians are the reigning AL uh, champs, they didn't win the World Series, but they took it to Game 7 against the Cubs. The Royals won the World Series two years ago. The AL pennant has come out of the AL Central four of the past five years. None of those have come to uh, come to the south side of Chicago. Where the White Sox are right now, should they consider or should they trade Chris Sale, do you think? Yeah, so so this is like when, we, when I first filed it and just... I just write very positively and like look at the positive outcome possibilities, right? And so like when and I sent it into JJ and it was like, well, here's the avenues for this team to succeed. If this, 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 and this and that go right, then maybe they're competing for a wild card spot. Is sort of how I saw it. Um, but when there are so many you vast have to ask. uncertainties and things have to go, players have to perform basically at their peak level and bounce back and and, and, have, and have health because there's not much depth and they have to there have to be some surprises there that we're not anticipating so it's not a good outlook um, and for it, 2017 or really 18 at this point and this is a team that has fallen I, I looked this stat up last week when we were talking about this 16 or more games back in the division they finished 16 or more games back for the last five years so we're not talking about a team that has battled for, you know, basically the division and fell just short mm-hmm. in most years of this decade. And basically in the Chris Sale era, mm-hmm. what they largely have been is an also ran in that division who usually is not right in the thick of the wild card race either. I mean, they have, you can't, you know, it's the best way to put it, I would say, is, is that you can't say, well, a team that because they have Chris Sale and Jose Quintana, is going to battle for the division because they have that top of the rotation pitching because they've had those guys. Those yeah. guys have pitched really well, and yeah. 
that hasn't been enough. The I think for sports fans everywhere, the one of the most frustrating situations is when your team is constantly in the middle or back of the pack. And so, you know, is it... And they haven't ever been awful either. They haven't right, been... They, so they had the, the 10th pick in, in 16, and the, I mean, their worst year was when they picked Rodon uh, and picked super high. But even this year, they were kind of middle of the order down the stretch and finished in, in the mid-70s the, with wins. And so they're, they're going to pick in the teens again. And Which in some ways, I mean, again, and maybe this is a wrong... Something that's wrong with the structure of baseball right now, but... Much like it used to, you know, it always has been almost with the NBA for years. That's kind of in some ways the worst spot to be in. They don't get a protected pick. Their picks aren't protected. I think especially now with, and we'll see how the CBA is going to change things, but I think with, when you look at the model kind of created by what the Astros and the Cubs and the, uh, the Braves are doing right now, there's so much more incentive to kind of tear it all down and rebuild. Um, because not only do you have the incentive to pick high in the draft and have a high bonus international bonus pool, uh, but you also have, you can take risks on toolsy players who, so uh, you can spread your risk. This is uh, Jonathan Villar, right? Mm -hmm. So like Jonathan Villar is like on a good team or a middle of the order team that is competing for a wild card spot that season. Mm -hmm. Jonathan Valari probably can't afford to give too many at bats, or you can't afford to take too big of a chance on that guy. Right, you won't come into the season no, saying he's a regular. Yeah, you have no. I mean, if you're not trying to win in that individual season, you can afford to go take a chance on a player who has big tools and hasn't quite put them together. And maybe that player does put it together, and then oh, now you have a tradable asset to continue this rebuild. So like. If you're in that position, it's actually it's, it makes you so much sense to rebuild. At bats become stage. a much less scarce resource. Which, if at bats and innings are not a scarce resource for you, it allows you to sort through. You saw what the Braves did last year with with relief help. Where yeah. again, not that they got great prospects, but Hunter Cervenka was essentially free talent. They get Hunter Cervenka, they can put him in their bullpen. And then the Marlins needed something, so you, they traded the Marlins traded Anthony Seymour, who was one of their top targets of the draft just a couple of years ago. Really athletic speedster who, okay, it may not all come together, but the Braves got him for essentially nothing. Or even just look at Drew Pomeranz and Rich Hill, which fit into this starting pitching trade market, but Drew Pomeranz was essentially cost the Padres nothing to get, and mm -hmm. he turns into Anderson Espinosa. Nice pickup. A lot, lot of other extenuating circumstances yes, that we don't need to get into there. But Rich Hill uh, costs you essentially nothing if you're the A's. I mean... One year, 13 point, whatever. What, less well, 60, yeah, six like six yeah, one year, six Which is, yeah. is nothing. In, is peanuts in this baseball market. So you can afford to take chances on players like that, and if they boom, then you have the opportunity to go out and, and the, reinvest and... and Kind of redistribute your resources. And if they bust, nope. okay, you won 62 instead of 66. Fine. You know, again, I do think that you could make a pretty strong argument that the White Sox are almost kind of stuck in the worst possible spot right now. Because, I mean, to even to give an example in their division, okay, the Indians are, it is, the Indians not only have a better big league club than the White Sox. And I don't think, I think that's pretty quantifiable oh, sure. <laughs> by the fact that 
year in and year out. Run away from a World Series championship. They're a run run away. They went to the tenth inning of the game step of the World Series. Yeah, almost literally as close as you could have gone. But beyond that, and they were better than them. That wasn't a fluke. They were better than the White Sox the year before as well. Mm -hmm. Deeper farm system. And their farm system is significantly better than Chicago's right now. I think that's also even after trading away Clint Frazier and Justice Sheffield and uh, I would agree. To acquire uh, Andrew Miller, who they, by the way, still have for two more years yeah. under contract. So they're a better team. Okay. We don't know where Detroit's going. The outlook is not good. But so the, what they do have for them, is in mm-hmm. they do have Zach Collins. Who, who n- number one prospect on our White Sox top ten. And I would say number one prospect, and it was by a pretty... Decent margin. Is that a fair way to put it? Sure. You got yes. Zach Birdie's number two. Yes. Which, again, bad sign for your farm system is when you're, and again, they had two, these are two prominent dudes in the draft. This isn't that a fifth round pick made the top five or anything like that. Yeah. But when your top two prospects are two guys from the most recent draft, yeah, I mean, that's a little bit. It's it's not, it doesn't look good. I mean, there's, there's also. And those, I think, are t- clearly the, the top two guys. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think you could make an argument for Carson Fulmer. Um, Starter versus reliever, potentially him versus Birdie. Yeah, and, and I do. I am encouraged by some of the late season adjustments that Fulmer made, especially mechanically. Um, getting rid of that earlier hand break, not necessarily kicking out front, and losing balance and rushing right. delivery. Some positive traits that point towards better command, and the statistical results are in there. In his AAA finish, so there are positive signs there. He that is a said, he's a good prospect. Is he a top hundred prospect at this point? I'm not sure. I mean, he's not a slam dunk. No, no, because the, the thing about it is, is that the concerns that were there when he came out of Vandy are still the concerns. And I would say that considering, and again, they moved him fast, but considering what he's shown so far, I would say that the concerns he showed out of Vandy have now become bigger concerns because. When you're when he's coming out of Vandy, he was coming off this long track record of success with some, you know, the concerns about well, the body he and had, the, he had a very good junior spring mm-hmm. as a starter, right? And that was at, at, a, at a premium program on the biggest stage in the SEC, part you know, key part of one of the best teams in college baseball. All that you look at this now, and we're essentially a year and a half past that. Mm-hmm. And the concerns that he faced coming into the draft were he's not very big. Can a guy with that kind of very, let's just call it energetic delivery, can that succeed? Can he throw strikes consistently? Can he hold up? Is he going to have to be a reliever? Mm-hmm. And we're sitting here a year and a half post that draft, and I think it's very fair to say that all those questions are still there. Yeah. And so far the early indicators are, and again, he may turn this around, but the early indicators are, no, so far, a guy with that kind of energetic of a delivery, that high effort of a delivery, that high tempo of a delivery, is not led to being able to throw strikes. And so far, again, short, you know, he's still, he, he's still, he's still five years away, six years away from free agency or anything like that. There's time to turn this around, but so far, and when they said, okay, well, how's he, can he help us right now? They ended up moving him to the pen to bring him up to the big leagues. Mm-hmm. That didn't go so well. They're gonna. Yeah, I mean, I think we happen to be. We actually are, witnessed ourselves. Yeah, we one saw, of his worst. Uh, we saw literally. I looked up his game logs. That was his worst out. And we saw him at his. I mean, that was just not good. Yeah, but yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, so the, the things with the first thing I'll say in response to that is that, uh, sure, he probably projects as a reliever at this point, um, but I do think he's still the best. Uh, I will still defend that pick at mm-hmm. eighth overall in that draft class. I do think it's a good pick. And oh, it's a bad, dra- it's a bad, really bad draft, draft class. class with no college starting pitching. And this is the guy, if anyone was going to be a starter of that Tyler J, Dylan Tate, uh, Carson Fulmer trio, I would argue had the best chance. But this is an interesting kind of segue here, which is, is that the draft, drafts are good, you know, the draft talent waxes and wanes. But the, the eighth overall time, pick in 2015 is not the same as it is in 2017. But that being said, you're also, though, everyone wants starting pitching, college starting pitching. I mean, that's something that's a very desirable trait. You know, that's a desirable demographic in the draft. And so, as you just said, really what we had in that draft were the top three guys on the college side were uh, essentially all of them were guys who faced questions, is this guy a reliever, is this guy a starter? Mm -hmm. And here we sit, only one full season, one half and one full season later, and Tyler J, I mean, the question's still out there, but I think it's fair to say that if you were, and again, we'll be talking twins top 10 coming up pretty soon, but I would say that the odds point to yes. The odds say that he's probably going to end up as a reliever. I think you could find a lot of people in the twins organization who'd say, yeah, he probably ends up a reliever long term. Mm -hmm. Dylan Tate, that was a disastrous first full season. Signs at the end of the year were good. That he rebounded at the end. He rebounded yeah. at the end. He rebounded at the end, though, when he was pitching in much shorter stints. And right. again, it is fair to say at this point, if you said a year plus out, is this guy someone who you're comfortable is going to be a starter? No. No, I do think he could be an impact reliever and has value that right, way. But he's a reliever. But Carson Fulmer's still the guy who has that group who has the best chance to start. Fulmer's, Fulmer's kind of weird because, like, Fulmer, for me, seems, and this is uh, something that people I talked to brought up as well, seems that he fits better as a third starter. Like, he, he has a better chance to succeed as that than he does as a reliever because I don't know if he necessarily profiles as a shutdown closer. He has more of a middle relief to eighth inning type of ceiling. I, I follow. Whereas, I, whereas those other two, I think, have a chance to be more impactful relievers. Is that partly because, because I've had this discussion uh, with guys about I do the Royals list and Josh Stama, is that partly because with his <laughs> tendency that there are going to be some base runners, like it's better almost in a starting role because he's he'll have stretches where of, of dominance and then he'll have an inning where he gets in a little bit of trouble where it's a little bit more of a less of a concern if he's going five to six than it is if he's going one. Is yeah, that I mean, one? he also is just not a light-up, below-up, velo guy by mm-hmm. big league standards. Right. He is when you go like when you go scout a college game and you see a guy touching 95, 96, and pitching 92, 94, that's like big velo in college. But if you go look at a big league game, the guys who are pumping gas in the seventh inning are throwing 97, 98 often. I mean, yeah, or if not, they have some sort of like, I mean, it's a 70 at least. Like 70 they, breaking ball. They have elite stuff. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't think there's a, even when, when Fulmer was up and in a relief role and you can talk about the innings and where he was at developmentally mm-hmm. and strength gains, but, uh, I don't think he ever showed you a true 70 pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, I, thought, I would agree. 
I mean, so he's a guy who's pitching now with uh, above average fastball and an above average, probably still an above average curveball. I mean, it's, I would argue that it backed up a little bit this year, and but his changeup got significantly better. And so, that, right, but so you're now talking... he's more of like a, like he has a lot of weapons to get you out and navigate a lineup. Much but he more have, than, I'm okay. going to come in and throw 15 pitches and shove the fastball down your throat. Like, it's, it's not a, like, uh, just for me, it's not a standard power closer right. type arsenal. Well, I, I follow you. No, I, I don't, I agree with you. I don't think, again, you really, even in a short roll, in a short stint, you're not really saying, okay, 70 fastball, 70 breaker, 70 change with right. I mean, he's pitching 91, 94, and there were some 95s if you, you look at his pitch effects. Um, it means it's, so 95's in there. Um, if well, that's that. I mean, the funny thing is, is when we talk about this, that's where if you said we're lining these guys up. Fulmer has the best chance to start, but of the guys in your top five uh, on the White Sox top ten, he's got. If you talk about a guy who could be a closer, he would have to rank out to say probably third of that group, because Birdie, who Birdie is, I mean, again, when you talk about a guy who could come in. And just blow gas. Well, that's that's yeah. Zach Birdie. Yeah, um, I mean that's a hundred plus. Yeah, you know. uh, sharp cheddar there. Yeah, <laughs> and then that's Alec Hansen when Alec Hansen's on his best too. Yeah, I mean this is a guy who was up to ninety eight in instruction. Um, and and beyond and, and beyond that fastball plays the that life. Fast, is, yeah, that fastball plays. I mean that fastball plays better than. And Fulmer's. he's got. Tight spin breaking balls, and he flashes a changeup. So you think of this guy, you take a chance on uh, on him to start for oh, absolutely. a few years, I would say. You don't give up on it until you have to. But should this guy need to move to the bullpen? It's impact stuff it's, in the bullpen. It's closer type stuff. Now, is, is his command going to improve? That's the, the big question. And transitioning from transitioning to professional coaching uh, and some mechanical things with him, like this is a guy who didn't Early know how to really come off of the rubber. Like this, is, there's it, it's like an infant uh, delivery, and and he's not a zero athlete. So I do think there's early signs point to yes. I mean, like right now he's already made strides compared to where he was. Significant strides compared to even when he, he where he was in college. So there are there is a chance that the command's going to improve and continue to get better. Will the consistency of his off speed be there? That's who knows, right? Because uh, I mean, we, I mean, to give a little bit of background, we are talking about a guy who could have been a top five pick coming into last year. When you talk about the college, when you talk about the a, a year where we're, you know, the starting pitching was a little better than it was in fifteen, but he came into that group as a guy who had potential top of the draft stuff. Yeah. Instead, he lost his starting job at one point during the season. He flashed. But he flashed, flashing generally was against more like the Kansas, Kansas states of the world. Yeah, Except well, he, that one UCLA. Dodger Town. Dodger Town. Dodger Town. Dodger Town earned them some money. That was the second or third start of the year. And, and uh, Al Hansen pitched in the tournament at, in Southern California, I believe either at good. Dodger Stadium or at yeah. UCLA, somewhere, somewhere down there and shoved. Mm-hmm. Uh, Struck out a ton of guys. I mean, it looked like at that point he was on point, you know, to do what everyone kind of expected. And then less than a month later, he was losing his job in the rotation. And then he got it back, and he he showed flashes. But again, he showed a much more consistency 
Now, he did it again somewhat. You know, a lot of that was in the Pioneer League, which is a tough place as far as because the ball flies. But he did the Pioneer League against guys who, in many cases, were less experienced than he was. But he still... I I would also, I would credit the White Sox for, first off, taking a chance on that guy. Because if that's your third pick... Yeah, because second round, yeah. thrilled because you can get a guy who has huge upside. Maybe he, maybe he flames out and never makes. You're, you're but, never, but, but you're not counting on is, him. You don't, you don't. Yeah, he's Zach not Zach Collins, make or break you're counting on. Zach Collins, if Zach Collins doesn't end up being a productive big league, it'll kind of be a surprise because you are talking about a guy who can hit, who's shown he can hit in the ACC, who has shown he can draw a walk, has shown he has power. And, by the way... He's a better receiver than a lot of people give him credit for. Better receiver than a lot of people give him credit for. And talk about perfect organization for this. In an organization that has been looking for a catcher for quite a while. I mean, and there's no one. There is no one in the organization right now that is blocking Zach Collins from being the catcher. No, not at all. No one. And so, that yeah, he's the guy that you're counting on. You're counting on Birdie. If Birdie doesn't end up pitching... Maybe it's not closing even, but if Birdie doesn't pitch useful innings in your bullpen at some point, he's be... got the stuff to get the best hitters out. That's, mm-hmm. It's it's that good. It's it's sitting ninety seven to ninety nine, touching one hundred two. Usually, I mean, depending on when you see him from night to night, it's there's one hundred two in there. There's a frisbee slider that's upper eighties, and it's a changeup that flashes pretty well too. And you know, there's athleticism, deception with a, a closed-off right-hander who works from the uh, third base side of the right, Although the, the, the delivery is one that you're like, okay, is he, he's done it so far. Can he go th- and go out and throw strikes? It's better than his brother, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, we also we have a guy who's in AAA and is, what, now he's 21 at this point. So, like, I feel pretty confident that he's going to at least have some outings next year in the big leagues where you're like, oh, man, this guy's the... The a premier reliever, he might have some outings where he gets Close blown it, yeah. up. Well, the funny thing with that is, is that like uh, again, you, you I, I actually lost a bet in the office because I was betting that I thought he might, considering how the White Sox move guys, I thought he might, you know, he might make it yeah. to the, you know up in, in September. But well, hey, if they're in it in September and you have a guy like that in AAA, I doubt he's in the minor leagues. The funny thing is, is that again, this is one of those what ifs. If he would have been, if he had been, though, in that Carson Fulmer draft, I, I think that there would have been a lot of teams out there because, again, as you said, he's he's not a big guy, but he's throwing, he has well, three I, pitches. I, some, I think some, some belief that he could be a starter, and I had some te- some people tell me in the draft research process that they did see that as a possibility. It's just when you look at the value of impact relievers right now and how close he is to that and how the developmental process would be for him as a starter, because he didn't start ever in college. Right. He? And his role that he worked towards and had defined for him at college was to go pump gas and blow it by guys. And that worked for the most part. And, and so, like, he knows how to be a reliever. Mm-hmm. And so he's a pretty safe bet to be some kind of impact reliever, whether it's one of the best closers in baseball, which it could be. That's, that's his I mean, he, no, he has... We are talking about when we, we just came off of a, of a postseason where we saw the value of, and again, whether it's you're the guy getting the saves or you're the guy pitching key innings in the fifth or sixth, seventh. Moment you know, of truth guy. Moment of truth guy. Either one is extremely valuable. If the White Sox over the next five years get to that point, 
he very easily, you see how he could fit very in a key role in a bullpen. And you are right. Like, I mean, the reality is, is that it's interesting. If you compare a guy like Spencer Adams, number four on this list, Spencer Adams over the course of a full season, mm-hmm. if it all breaks right, could have more value than Zach Burton. Mm-hmm. But you get to the postseason, because Spencer Adams, I mean, if you're, if you're really like Spencer Adams, you think he probably ends up being a nice innings eater. That's yeah, pretty. I mean, I think there's a little bit more ceiling than that. Um, but, like, I think the most realistic uh, expectation for him would be quality fourth starter. Right. I mean, the velo, we have not seen, like, basically when he was in high school, you'd see flashes of it, and the idea was is, Okay, if he gains a, a tick or two here, like, and it becomes more consistent, yeah, then he's a fronting guy. That's still really the idea is like, I mean, we we got to remember, what is this guy? Fourteen he, draft, yeah, fourteen high school draft out of Georgia. I mean, this is not. Uh, but he's, you said, as you said, it, out, it of out of Georgia. It's yeah, not. This is that, not. He came out of Montana, and right. We, this is not. Uh, I would say. I would put it that I would say that's not impossible, but the number of guys, the number of guys who with the track record like like Spencer, who've already had success, who already have been durable. Like, this is not a guy who came out and he wasn't strong enough for you to send him out him, you know, to full season ball. You had to worry, you know. This is, I think, more likely kind of what he pitches at now. He may gain uh, a half a tick or whatever, but I'd say it's unlikely at this point to think that he's going to gain a tick oh, or yeah, two. He's, he's not going to be pitching with – a 70 fastball suddenly. This is not how... It, and are, he does have a projectable look to his body, but I right. didn't expect him to put throw on five miles an hour. That You were talking about the sitting velocity going from 88 to 92 with some threes in there to maybe he gets to sitting 90-92, and so he can comfortably navigate the lineup a couple times through with a solid average fastball. For a starter, at least. Right. So that's that's more what we're talking about, and I think that he, with his athleticism and uh, quality off of his off-speed pitches, he has a chance to play a little bit better than a number four in his peak. Right. That said, that's kind of what we're talking about. That that said, we're comparing that to Zach Birdie. Zach Birdie is in Triple A, is knocking on the door, and has. And there's no, by the way, and there's no projection to his stuff because you don't project above an eighty. <laughs> you don't, but oh man, the. When you look at him from him, his stuff as a sophomore to where it was as a junior, that's where you saw just such tremendous growth in that one year. And even going back to that, as from freshman to sophomore to junior, but the, tra- the trajectory on Bernie is actually he, really good. And the thing about this is we're talking about a guy who's roughly the same age. I mean, we're not talking – he's a little bit older than Adams, but we're talking over the same – again, when we're talking about projection – he has made those gains over the same years of his career. Yeah. I mean, the the thing about Adams is, and this is the question I ask about a lot of these prep pitchers is, that I don't have the opportunity to see, is, is this guy athletic? And the athleticism reports on Adams are very good. Yeah. It's a good body. It's That's why he's still able arsenal. to throw strikes. That's why he's... He's got present control and command. It's playable. Um He's he's going to be in the upper minors, so there, he's a likable prospect. Um, not, uh, I don't. What do you think? Is he a top hundred guy? I doubt it at this point. I'd probably say. I mean, I would say I'm skeptical. He's going to be a top hundred guy, but we also know that this top hundred is not going to be. We're, we're not debating whether uh, you know 
okay, so who goes two after Chris Bryant in this list? I'll put it that way. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's down a little bit because we've had a lot of great graduations. I mean, we're not sitting there with Correa and Bryant and guys mm-hmm. like that. So, um, but that's a good place to wrap this one up. So this is the Monday edition of the Baseball America podcast. J.J. Cooper, Hudson Belisky. We do want to remind you, if you enjoyed this, it's a great time to subscribe. We have the top 10s rolling out. If you want all the scouting reports and the top 10s for all 30 organizations, we are six in, 24 to go. Hudson will be chatting Tuesday about the uh, White Sox top 10. So if you have questions, send them to him. Just go to BaseballAmerica.com. You'll see the chat up there. But if you want to subscribe, BaseballAmerica.com slash store. Great time to subscribe right now. You have that. You also have... We're getting ready for the 2017 draft. You know, we had a podcast on Friday talking about some of those players. Yeah, Hudson's people, working people on get, get fired up because it's, it's going to be a good draft. This class. is this is my going to be my second full year on the draft beat, and just the the content is going to be. I'm very excited for what we're going to be able to do. And, and it's and it's a. It looks like a especially on the high school side, it's going to be a. Oh yeah, so it looks like a potentially impactful class. Um, lots of athletes. Uh, a couple intriguing arms. There's there's a and, couple shortstops. There's there's tons of power. There's a lot of speed in this class. And on it's the college side, again, the college side is really good. We talked about the college pitchers in 2015. This is way better than this that. This is tenfold. I mean, <laughs> we'll talk about that as it, yeah. as we get closer. But the college pitching class is deep in 2017. But so we will be back with a Rays podcast on Tuesday. Yes, we're bouncing around, but we are getting to the AL East. So for Hudson, I'm JJ. So long, everybody. This concludes our program. Want more in-depth baseball coverage? Be a better fan. Visit BaseballAmerica.com to get more comprehensive baseball coverage.